0: Well, hello. This is uh, Bishop Johnson again. This is part two of uh, our teaching that we began dealing with our motivation or our character. In the first message, I focus upon motivation, emphasizing that we be motivated by what motivated Jesus, and Jesus stated very clearly that He did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life, the ransom, a ransom for many. He's our model. He's our example, and if we're motivated. Uh, by what motivated Christ then we're motivated and we seek leadership or we acquire leadership positions not in order to gain power for ourselves but in order to serve people not for the sake of power but for the sake of serving people we aspire to leadership positions not seeking honor for ourselves but seeking honor for God we said to you that you, your greatness or the greatness of every, or any man should not be and it's not measured in heaven by how many people serve you, how many people look up to you. It is measured by how many people you are willing to serve, how many people you're willing to sacrifice for. And so I challenge you in that last message and challenge myself to re-examine our motives and our reason for wanting to be called an apostle or a bishop or for assuming those offices Are we genuinely motivated by a servant spirit? Or are we motivated by the desire for honor, for recognition, for privilege? And if that is the case, then our motivation is wrong. And we need to go back to God and be honest with Him. And if we have assumed a title or position before it was time, then by the grace of God, may we humbly surrender that title and position back to God and allow God himself to work in you further so that when or if you should again uh, be elevated to the office of the bishop or the apostle, that you would have the character and the right motivation for that office and the ministry that you are overseeing uh, has come to the place where it is necessary for the operation and the success of that ministry, for the functions of the bishop and the functions of the apostle to be fulfilled. Don't just acquire titles. Uh, uh, today today you're a prophet, the more you're an apostle, the next day you're a bishop. Uh, you know, archbishop, arch apostle. Don't just acquire those positions because you desire honor. Um, the enemy will exploit that, and we end up really looking foolish to the, to the world. But I want to take this further now, because uh, I'm speaking to men who I respect, and apostles, and bishops, and archbishops, who are functioning in top leadership positions in your churches, Uh, in your fellowships of churches, in your nation. And again, it's so critical that we be the light of the world, that while we criticize political leaders for their failures, that we ourselves don't be guilty of what we're pointing out in their lives. Because we're told that many times we will point one finger and we point to our political leaders and we tell them, You know, how corrupt they are. We tell them how they're not people of their word. We tell them that they lack integrity, which sadly is often the case. But even more sad, while we point a finger at them, they can point a finger back at us and charge us with some of the very same things. And if we were to go to court and we were to be tried, we would be found guilty. My desire is that the college will so help us and hold us accountable that we would examine again why we do what we do and how we do what we do and avoid the pitfalls that exist when our character has not been properly formed, when we lack the integrity that is so essential to leadership, but in particular, Christian leadership. Hallelujah. And so the right character, that is what is lacking in in many of our nations as far as our governments are concerned. And that, unfortunately, is also lacking in many of our churches among those of us who are the leaders within the church Yet this is what God requires, the right character. West Africa need lead leaders with the right character. The church needs leaders with the right character. God requires that if we are going to be leaders, we should have the right character. So the, here's the greatest need right now in the church. The greatest need in our nations is for servant leadership. Charles Swindoll, or Chuck Swindoll as he's called sometimes, Um, wrote something on leadership that just, I made a copy of this. It, It blesses my heart. I want to share this with you. He said, the foundation of ministry is character, not a professional skill. The foundation of ministry, the foundation that which ministry is built on, is character, not professional skill. He says, the nature of ministry is service, not being served. He said the motive for ministry is love, not money or power. He says the measure of ministry is sacrifice, not success. Wow. The measure of your ministry, the greatness of your ministry, is sacrifice, not success. The authority of ministry is submission, not pulling rank. Do you know who I am? The purpose of ministry is to glorify God, not to glorify ourselves. The tools of ministry are prayer and the Word. The privilege of ministry is growth. And then he points out that this growth may be in depth rather than in numbers. Growth in depth, not always in numbers. that's the privilege of ministry. He says the power of ministry is the Holy Spirit, not programs. So often we get involved in programs, programs, programs. And, you know, I've been guilty of that at times. Um, But more and more as I mature and as I grow, I am convinced more than ever that the power of ministry is not in all the programs that we do, but it's in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and among us. And our model for ministry is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so these, this is a good summary of the things that we were talking about in our last lecture and which we will continue to talk about in this one. Uh, character is so, so, so important. Uh, I don't want to appear to be boasting because I know I am not perfect. I have flaws myself. But I I have to be honest with you. Uh, Much of the success, quote-unquote, that we've experienced in ministry has been due to the fact that by the grace of God, and God is the one who has made this possible, but by the grace of God, we've conducted ourselves over these many years with integrity, and people have come to see us as being a person of character. And when that is the case, when you are perceived as a leader, a person with integrity, that means what you are on the outside, that's what you are on the inside. What, pe- what you say and what you do outwardly when everybody is looking is what you do when nobody's looking. When your life that is public matches your life that is hidden or private. When your words that are public matches your life that is private. When what you do, when everybody will know about it, is what you'll do when nobody knows about it. That's integrity. When the way you handle money or, or manage money when everybody is looking, especially when the money isn't yours. It's the way you will manage it when no one is looking. That's integrity. If the things you will say when everybody is listening matches match the things you will say when no one is listening, when the public isn't aware, that's integrity. When you are a person of your word, your yes. Is yes, you no, it's no, that's integrity. When you as a leader try not to borrow, but when you do borrow, you make sure that you pay. That, that, that if you borrow, again, the best thing is not to borrow, but if and when you borrow and you make a promise that you are going to pay back what you borrowed at a certain time, and at or before that time, you pay back just as you have promised, that's integrity. That's the right character. But if you are one who will say what you need to say to get what you want and then do something different so that people can no longer count on your word, they never know when they can depend upon what you said. You've lost integrity. You've lost their respect. You are demonstrating a lack of character that should be present in any man or woman who is an apostle or a bishop, you discredit yourself in the eyes of people, ultimately you will pay a tremendous price in terms of your influence and in terms of your opportunities. And so by the grace of God, again we're not perfect but by, this, by the grace of God, this has been important to me over the years. So, be a person of his word. And you know, Paul talked about you know, those who would swear to their own hurt. We make a promise. And then we do everything we can to keep that promise. If we're consistent in that manner, people begin to respect us. When they see how we conduct our affairs, not just financially but our affairs in terms of our relationship with the opposite sex, because these are areas that truly the enemy uses to destroy our character, or not just destroy it, but to, to really manifest and express our character flaws in a way that discredit us before the eyes of men, and then cause us to lose our influence, the leadership influence we should have. But when we be mindful that, in, Character matters, and character is the foundation, as Chuck Sundell said, of ministry. Then, in the way we handle money, in the way we relate to the opposite sex, we would always be mindful of conducting ourselves properly, with great respect, in a manner that would not dishonor Christ, dishonor the church, or dishonor us. When we carry ourselves in that way consistently, again, by the grace of God, depending upon the Holy Spirit, but we choose to do this, we then develop a reputation. People begin to perceive us and see us in a manner that often will influence how they relate to us and the the degree to which they are willing to follow us. And that can make the difference between success or failure in terms of ministry. I remember... Uh, this was many years ago. I got a call. I was in my office and I got a call from a lady uh, who I didn't really know but I had met. Uh, she, my father had just died and you know, she showed up at our house you know, helping. I thought she knew my mother and that's why she was there. But she was there expressing sympathy and, and all of this. And she, for me she was just another person you know, coming to identify with the family, wanting to be helpful. That was it. Well, sometime later, I don't remember how long after that, I got a call one day in my office. I picked up and she told me her name. And she wanted to know whether I liked her. And then she proceeded to tell me that she liked me. And of course, I don't play that. I, I, I said, no, 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 no. I said, listen, I'm a man of God. I I know you may be familiar with a lot of quote unquote men of God who, who do these kinds of things. But I'm not one of those. I'm a man of God. I'm married. I have a wife. I love my wife. I'm committed to my wife. So this is not anything I'm open to. She said, "Well, your wife doesn't have to know." I said, "I am a man of God. I'm married to my wife, and I, I, I don't do this." and then I proceeded to advise her, I asked her what church she goes to. I encouraged her to go to her pastor and to get into the Word of God and to, uh, you know, grow spiritually, but I was not interested. Uh, I share that because too often the enemy is able to get pastors and ministers, apostles and bishops off track, derailed, They plan a purpose of God for their life because when they're interacting with with people of the opposite sex, they forget the importance of integrity, they forget the importance of character, and they're too ready to compromise. I don't know where I would be today, but I doubt if I would be experiencing the level of fulfillment that I'm experiencing today if I had made it a practice in my life to give in to those kinds of temptations and pressures. More recently, another young, younger woman came to the church and she was serving as an usher. Always all well-dressed as an usher. All I knew, this was a young woman who wanted to serve the Lord and she was an usher. And we have two services at our church and so I had preached the first service and I was on my way out to go to my office to wait for the second service and I had to pass through the area where she was standing. And as I walked by, she looked at me and she said, I'd like to talk to you. I stepped aside, thinking that this girl was going to share with me something that, for which she wanted me to pray. And do you know what she said? She said to me, I came here for you. <laughs> well, my answer to her was similar to my answer to the other lady. No, 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 no. I'm a man of God. I don't do that. But obviously, this young lady has such little respect for pastors, because in her mind, pastors preach one thing, and they live something else. They lack integrity. What they say outside for people to hear is different from what they do when no one is listening. She must have been shocked that she has met a man of God, and she was a pretty girl, who was not willing to yield to her offer. Uh, if I recall, it was maybe maybe two or three months later, I got a letter from her in which she apologized to me for what she did. Now, I don't see her anymore in the church. I guess she stopped coming. But can you imagine if I had, again, forgotten who I was, forgotten the importance of integrity, compromised uh, with that, uh, and how that would have impacted me personally? how it would have impacted this young, young, young lady, whether she would ever get saved. But I believe that because she met someone who must have been different from many other pastors and ministers that she had met, God was able to use that to speak to her in a way that I pray she has not yet come to Christ or caused her to come to Christ. Integrity, character. We must be people of our word. If I make a promise to you, I must make sure first of all, I don't promise you something that I'm not sure I can deliver. And when I make a promise, I must do everything within my power to fulfill that promise, even foregoing other things that I would like to do to make sure that what I said to you is what I do. This is critical. In the big things and the small things, we must be examples as apostles and prophets. Let me share something else with you. Again, I'm just giving you illustrations. Please don't don't take this as though I'm boasting because I'm not. And I'm sure many of you can share your own illustrations. And I'm not perfect, but I I just want to share these things with you because I, I want to emphasize how critical that is. Because... It impacts today when I speak with people, when I launch a particular vision. Many times it's because of who I am in their eyes and because they have judged me as a person of integrity, of, uh, whose character as a leader is that of a servant. They are willing to respond in ways that they would not otherwise. And even people who are not necessarily part of our church but who are watching from the outside. Because by the grace of God, we've we've conducted ourselves in a way that even outsiders have grown to respect us because of character. We are able to influence them, and many times they want to be a part of what we're doing. Don't underestimate, as an apostle or bishop, the importance of integrity when it comes To your ministry and to your calling. Again, that's the foundation of your ministry. Jesus stressed that himself in his teaching. Remember when he spoke about the Pharisees, and he called them whitewashed sepulchres, whitewashed graves. He said, You make their outside look so beautiful, so attractive the words you speak, the garments you wear, all of the things that we put on in terms of our vestments, you put a lot of effort into looking so good outside. And for people to be impressed by the way you look, he says, but on the inside, like a grave, you are full of of, of, of death. On the inside, dead death men's bones. On the inside, your character is rotten. There is a great disconnect between what you appear to be on the outside compared to what you are on the inside. Remember we said that your character, your reputation is what people say of you. It's what you appear to be but your character is who you really are. On the inside, when nobody's looking, you don't pay attention to that. You make all kinds of compromises. You're motivated for the wrong reasons. Uh, You're not a person of your word. You're fighting for power. And so Jesus said, No, no, don't do that. He said, Listen, Pharisees, listen, bishops, listen, apostles. I'm not having any problem. I don't have any problem with your vestments. I don't have any problem with you taking care of the outside and looking presentable and respectable. But what's most important is what on the inside. So he said, make the inside clean. Pay attention to your character. Are you a person of integrity? Are you a person of your word? Are you clean in the way you relate with money? Are you honest in the way you handle money? How are you in your relationships with the opposite sex? How are you... When it comes to power, are you a servant? Or are you seeking to lord it over people? He says, pay attention to the inside. And that's important. We can do a lot of things that impress others and impress the world and make us look like we are the number one thing, the greatest thing that ever showed up in our nation. But it's not what men see that ultimately matters. It is what? God sees. You know men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Apostle, prophet, pay attention to what's on the inside of you. Be a man. Be a person of your word. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Set boundaries in your relationship with the opposite sex. Be faithful to your wife. Be faithful to your family. Provide for your family as the word of God says. These are the things that must form the foundation of your ministry. Don't focus first and foremost on how you look in the eyes of men and what they will say because you're trying to impress them outwardly while neglecting your character, who you are on the inside. You know, men may testify based upon what they see or what you let them see. But someone said your true character, what really matters is what angels are saying about you in heaven, in the presence of God. What is the testimony that the angels can make concerning you? So critical. Again, another illustration of... of, you know, how I've experienced this and how, how it's impacted me. I remember here in the States, they have a restaurant called IHOP. Uh, it's International House of Pancakes. It's a breakfast place, but they have other kinds of foods. Anyway, I remember going in for breakfast and having food, and, and then I was leaving, and they have, these, they have toothpicks. And, of course, when you're leaving, when you pay, you can take toothpicks if you need it. Uh, But I remember on this particular occasion, instead of taking one or two, I took a bunch of toothpicks, more than I needed that day for sure. Uh, I don't know how many, but it wasn't one or two. It was was a, a lot more than that. And I took the toothpick and went to my car. And I tell you no lie. I felt so convicted by that. I had no peace because I felt in a sense that I stole, even though you know I mean it was just toothpicks. I could have simply excused it and said, no, no, I felt I took what I didn't have a right to. Just because they were given toothpicks free and I was free to have toothpicks didn't mean I needed to take as many as I took. I felt I had taken more than I had a right to. Lost my peace, had to repent before God and seek forgiveness. Again, what I'm sharing is, I'm sharing this because I want you to understand that when we talk about integrity, we're not just talking about the big things. Because some of us will say, well, okay, I won't steal $100, or I won't steal $1,000. I won't, do, but I'll, $5? That doesn't belong to me or belongs to the church or, or, or belongs to someone else. Listen, be as, as honest in dealing with $1 as you would in dealing with $1,000. That is Integrity. Don't be a pastor, a bishop, an apostle who refuses to be accountable at all to the church, to uh, leaders, to other apostles and bishops in regard to the way you conduct your life when it comes to finances, when it comes to, 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 to money, and when it comes to how you treat people in general. One of the things we hope that all the members of the council will do is to give permission to other members of the council to speak to us when they see us saying things or doing things or acting in ways that really are unbecoming of one who is a senior leader in the body of Christ. That is so important, this, this willingness to be held accountable. You know, one of the things I say to, to, to many people talked to me about our organization, our leaders, about me, and I said, you know, one of the reasons that I have made it uh, such a priority in my life to be a person of integrity, to, be, to live according to God's word, not to compromise uh, my morality, uh, and to be a person who practices Christian ethics. I said, listen, One reason I do that is because I reverence God and I do want to please God. But I also am restrained. It helps me to resist temptation. When I realize that we in Harvest Intercontinental Ministries Unlimited have entered into a covenant with one another in which we have said that we will hold each other accountable. And I've said to our bishops, I've said to our pastors, even though I'm your presiding bishop, the day you see me conducting myself in a manner that is not worthy of the office of the presiding bishop, of the office of the bishop, the office of a pastor, if in any way by my words or by my behavior, I am acting unethically, I am acting immorally, I have departed in some way from the truth. I am subject to you. I am accountable to you. Don't say, oh, that's our bishop, that's our president I didn't bishop, we can't say nothing to him. No. You hold me accountable. And so, one of the reasons I take this so seriously in terms of how I conduct myself is because I know I'm not only accountable to God, Now, God is merciful. I know God has already forgiven us and it will be wrong in his sight. He might discipline me. I know that. And that's enough for me to conduct myself correctly. But in addition, perhaps even more, I'm aware that my behavior, my actions, my conduct don't only reflect upon me, but reflect upon those who work with me and they have been empowered to hold me accountable. So God forbid that the day should come when Bishop Bele or Bishop Agar, who's with you, or Bishop Coffey, or uh, Pastor, Pastor Blamon, or any one of our ministers, and even the members of the church, come to me and say, Bishop, a presiding bishop, we hear that you're planning to divorce your wife. For what? That is not what the word says. That is not what you've taught us, and we cannot support you with this. God forbid, I, I, I fear that day, not only because I know it will bring great shame upon them and great shame upon the church that I am overseeing, but what reproof, what rebuke, what shame that the people, the young men and women that I have, by the grace of God, trained and, and led and and now they are men of God in their own right, for them to be the ones now to have to come and correct me, that by itself is strong motivation to conduct myself in a way that is worthy of the office that I hold. I don't know what you have set before you that helps you to resist the temptations that you will face as an apostle and as a prophet, to walk in a manner that is inconsistent with your call or to in some way abuse your position or your authority because you think you can get away with it. But I pray that you have set before you the fear of God and the fact that whatever you do, you represent him. And when you act in a manner that's unethical or immoral, you are dishonoring your God, dishonoring the name of Jesus and doing great harm to his work on the earth. And in addition, I hope you have made yourself or will make yourself accountable to men. Men whom you respect. Men who you look up to. But also some of your sons. Let, be accountable to your sons as well. Give them permission authority to hold you accountable when in any way they see you Stepping out or stepping away or drifting from the very things you have taught them. Let them be able to come to you and say, Papa, this is not biblical. This is not right. This is not what you taught us. Don't take it personally. Yell at them and tell them you are disloyal. No, be grateful. Humble yourself and thank God that God is using them to save you. I have a very dear friend in ministry who has a very powerful ministry anointed, Holy Ghost-filled, Spirit-filled, one who we all looked up to, supported. And at some point, a number of years ago, he felt for some reason that, you know, the wife he had wasn't the wife that God had given him and that, you know, she was hindering his ministry. And so he he had an experience which he felt was from God and telling him to divorce his wife. And he tried to. More than once, he tried to. But he had submitted himself to us. That's, you know, one or two, or three of us who he looked up to as big brother or as spiritual father. And he brought this to us. And no matter how convinced he was that God had spoken to him and why he felt that this was the leading of the Lord, we kept saying to him, this is not biblical. We see no basis for this. If you do this, we will no longer support you or be behind you. And every time we say that to him, he will withdraw and delay. And then after a while, he will go back again. But we did that over and over again. And finally, finally he submitted to the reproof, to the correction that he was receiving from us. And abandoned this, this idea of divorcing his wife. Well, today, he will tell you that that wife next to Jesus is the best gift he's ever had. Today, if you were to talk to him, he would tell you if it were not for this woman, I would be dead. Thank God, because he made himself accountable and was willing to submit to men to whom he looked as brothers, big brother, spiritual father. Our counsel protected him from making a grave error, which the enemy was pushing him to do, and which had he done, I agree, he would be dead today. Listen, when it comes to integrity, when it comes to integrity, when it comes to your character, when it comes to those standards that we're called to uphold as bishops and apostles in regard to our relationship with the opposite sex, in regard to our relationship with money, in regard to our relationship with power, the way we exercise power, make and doctrine, make yourself accountable to certain people. Again, this is why the council exists. Make yourself accountable, accountable and don't take it personal. When members of the council approach you because they have observed or something has come to them that suggests that you are departing, you are compromising, you are not standing tall. You, you've, you've, you've given the enemy access to your reputation, to your character, to your integrity. Be willing to listen, humble yourself, take the rebuke, take the correction, because that may very well save your fiscal life or your ministry. I, you know, I, I use Jimmy Swagger as an example because I mean everybody knows what happened to Jimmy Swagger. Jimmy Straga was a man who, at the time uh, that the incident happened with the prostitute, was the, he had the largest ministry in the world. He was receiving more money and more support than any other ministry. But unfortunately, Brother Jimmy did not uh, set the boundaries that he needed in terms of his character his integrity. And so he was discovered saying one thing publicly and doing something else. And then when it was discovered, he was not willing to be accountable. He was not willing to submit to the authorities that were there in the summits of God. And so as a result, the situation only got worse. And all of that influence that he had at that time was lost. By the grace of God, he's forgiven. God is merciful. He's still doing ministry. He's still having an impact. But nothing close to what he would have had if he had governed himself with integrity in all areas of his life, and if he had been willing to submit to others who spoke to him and confronted him and gave him godly counsel. As a member of this college, all of us have to be willing to submit ourselves to one another to be held accountable to whatever the standards that we are going to agree to, both in terms of our behavior, in terms of our attitudes, in terms of our morality. We will only be protecting ourselves and treating with with, with godly fear, with fear and trembling, this awesome responsibility that God has given to us. Understanding that while members of our churches can do certain things and, and they be sinful and they be wrong, the impact that their actions have upon the local church as a whole or upon the body of Christ in a particular nature or region or sometimes even the world, doesn't come close to what happens when a bishop or an archbishop or an apostle or archapostle violates the principle of integrity. Such harm is brought to the, to the ministry and to the witness of Christ in the community and the nation. Don't be a victim of that. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. And let's hold each other accountable in this area. You see, when your character falls short as a leader when you compromise, when you lack integrity, you influence people in a way that is much more than when an ordinary person who is not occupying a leadership position such as ours violates biblical principle or principles of good character. Either as a result of your poor character. Men of good character will have, will want to do nothing with you, so you will lose those men, lose those women altogether. Or, some may remain under your influence, but become eye servants. They work with you only because they feel they need you. They work with you only because they have no other viable alternative yet. But behind your back, the thing they'll say about you and the way they think about you, and if they have an opportunity to do something different, they would do it. But there's a third impact that your behavior has on many. When your behavior is bad, there's some who will remain with you and by remaining with you, under your influence, your corrupt character ends up corrupting theirs. And they take on your qualities. So what is not true and wrong in you multiplies. It becomes the seed that spreads this same type of behavior and flawed character to many others. And a little leaven then starts to leaven the whole lump. And the entire church and the entire body of Christ in a particular region can become corrupted because of your influence, which was wrong. Again, I don't want to be political, but let me use this example. Again, if if you are a strong supporter, believer in President Donald Trump and his leadership, Please don't take this personal. I'm just sharing my own experience and thoughts. President Trump, who the Republican Party embraced as their leader and the evangelical church, for the most part, endorsed as God's chosen servant, lifted him up as the one from God, thus giving him great influence on not just one or two individuals but on the evangelical churches in this country and to some degree in other nations. As far as I can see, is one who has a problem with the truth. Is one who puts himself first is one who will do whatever he needs to do in order to get even or to get back when somebody stands in his way. That is, that, is, that is what he's manifested. And the result of that is that some who once supported him no longer want to have anything to do with it. So he lost a lot of good people. The others who are maintaining their connection with him simply because they feel they need him. And when they need him no longer, they'll abandon him. But as long as they think that their future depends upon him, they stick around. They say one thing in the public, but they say something else behind his back. And then there's another group who have come under his influence, who at one time knew better stood for for more noble causes and more noble values, who have allowed him, embraced him as their leader to such a degree that his corrupt character has corrupted theirs. And now they're speaking just like him. They are having problems with the truth just like him. They are uh, acting in ways that diminish or dishonor Christ and the the, the standards of the Word of God, just like Him. And so here's an example of a leader whose influence could have been positive, obtain and raise up a bunch of other leaders who would have a major positive impact upon the nation and the nations since America influences the world but unfortunately because of a flawed character, a problem with the truth, a propensity, I say, to lie, an open admission that he will get even with you if you don't agree with him. That same character that we see demonstrated by this leader has now corrupted so many other Republican leaders and now many of them Sound just like him. Don't let that be true of you, Bishop, of you, Apostle. Let not those things be so of us who are members of the College of Charismatic, uh, Interdenominational College of Charismatic Bishops and Apostles. Let our character not be the seed that will multiply corrupt, immoral, Leaders who lack integrity. But let the character that we demonstrate, the character that we cultivate, be that of our Lord Jesus. And let all those who come under our influence and choose to be influenced by us become men and women leaders who are committed to Christ, committed to the values of the kingdom, who will have a reputation both within and without as being men and women of the highest character, motivated by a servant's heart, desiring to be the instruments of God, to bless the church, to bless the nation, to bless the world. God bless you richly, and may he grant you and me the grace to be the kind of leader that Jesus exemplified for us, who thought he was God, did not hold on to his his position as God, but humbled himself and served. You know, Jesus is the perfect example for us to follow. But the scripture did give us some other examples, some bad, some good, to help us. Let me just quickly remind you of Samson. Samson had great ability. He had great talent. He had great skill. Yet he was defeated by Delilah. In the end, he became a prisoner. He was bound. He was beaten. And he eventually, not only did he become blind, but he lost his life. Not because he wasn't strong, not because he didn't have ability, but it was a gap in his character that led to his defeat. David, again, very gifted, very skilled. It wasn't a lack of ability and skill that got David into trouble. It was a gap in his character. The scripture says when kings went to war, David should have been on the war front. He stayed home. And then you know what happened with Bathsheba. The first look was an accident, the second look wasn't. He knew exactly what he was doing. And as a result, a gap in David's character. So many bad things happened that could have been avoided. Urias was murdered. David's son, Baba Sheba, first son, died. Loss of life, adultery, murder. All as a result of a gap in David's character. Those are examples that are placed there for us to avoid. But then there's some other examples, not perfect like Jesus, but they're there for us to be inspired by. Joseph. Oh yeah, he lost his coat of many colors, but he held on to his godly character. He could have compromised, but because he knew who he was and he knew who his God was, he held on firmly to his godly character. And though it cost him much, in the end, God rewarded him for his commitment to him and for his refusal to compromise for the sake of earthly pleasure. Thank God for Joseph. May God make us like Joseph. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Daniel comes to mind. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were so many young men who have have been brought into Babylon. We don't hear anything about them. Because when they got into Babylon, they became like the Babylonians. They pursued pleasure. They pursued power. They pursued uh, position. Uh, But David, not David, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, facing the same pressure, made a commitment that they would be true to God that they would not compromise their faith or their convictions, that they would hold on to their godly character no matter what it costs. They would be men of integrity. Daniel refused to bow down and to to stop praying to his God. They threw him in the lion's den. God chose to deliver him, and Daniel became prime minister. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, our God is able to deliver us, but even if he does not deliver us, we've made up our mind. We are people of conviction. We're not going to compromise our character. We're not going to compromise our convictions for the sake of earthly power or even to save our lives. And you know the story. In the midst of the fiery furnace, Jesus showed up and identified with them, affirmed them, fellowship with them, kept them, and supernaturally delivered them. But they were prepared to die rather than to compromise their convictions and bring dishonor to their God. When it comes to your character, when it comes to your integrity, do not bring dishonor to our God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for everything.